Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. In the 1980s, Carnival of Souls was on one of my local television stations. It looked kind of low budgety, black and white. I flicked it on and just started watching it on our living room television set. Eventually, my sister walked in and said, What are you watching? I said, I don't know. She sat down and started watching it. My other sister heard this weird, eerie organ music. She was in the kitchen. She popped her head in and said, What are you guys watching? We both said, We don't know. She stood in the back for a bit, watching it over our shoulder. Then she moved over to the couch, and all three of us were watching it, and we didn't know what we were watching. After a bit, I heard my mother from the other room, who could see the television, and she yelled, What are you three watching in there? We all yelled, We don't know. We didn't know, but we were hooked on a film that I would come to watch almost every year since then. We were all riveted, and it wasn't very often that every member of my family was pulled into watching something, especially a horror film. But Carnival of Souls is unusual, and it is something that, while walking by, you might get roped into because the music, the cinematography, the acting is so unusual, and it almost seems like it might be a bad film, but it is most certainly not a bad film. We watched the entire film without getting off the couch, finished it up. Then we all ran for the TV guide to find out what we watched. And we were confused. We had never heard of Carnival of Souls. The very next year, I would look in the TV guide and find when it was going to be on. And to my surprise, when I told my sisters, they both wanted to watch it again so that they could watch it from the beginning. We still didn't own a VCR at this point. But when we did, it would be one of the films that I would make a copy of and I would watch it repeatedly. Carnival of Souls is a film that I have introduced many people to over the years, and the great majority of them have enjoyed it. I don't know if you have a family film. There may be a couple in my family, but around this time of year, I like to think about Carnival of Souls. Whenever I do, I think back to those first few times that we watched it together, all of us scratching our head, wondering why we had never seen this before, this wonderful film. So on today's show, I'd like to talk to you about this film, Carnival of Souls. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk about the production plot, its reception, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Carnival of Souls is a 1962 horror film, was directed by Herc Harvey and stars Candace Hillegas. The film was written by Herc Harvey and John Clifford. Harvey, who was based in Kansas, 
worked at a company called Centron Films, which made primarily kind of documentary-style stuff, but he was inspired by other people who had been making films in the area, namely people like Robert Altman, and thought that if he could get investors together, he could make a movie, and that movie would become Carnival of Souls. So he would write the film with John Clifford, who also worked at Centron. And a lot of the people who would work in this film were talented people from the area, a lot of them who worked at Centron, especially the people behind the cameras. After shooting a film in California for Centron, Herc Harvey was driving back to Kansas and drove past the Salt Air Amusement Park, which is near Salt Lake City. And a big shot in the film is of the Salt Air Pavilion. The Salt Air Pavilion is so iconic for anyone who's watched this film a bunch of times that you might want to see it. And there is a Salt Air Pavilion still around, sadly. It's not the original one. When I was going through Salt Lake City a couple of years ago, I went to visit it. There was some sort of big event going on. I tried to turn around and someone rear-ended me. So my memories of it, not always that positive, although there was no real damage done to the car, but I digress. The film was shot in three weeks, on location, in the area around Salt Lake City and in Lawrence, Kansas. A lot of the interiors were shot at the Centron Studios in Lawrence, Kansas, to shoot at the ruined Salt Air Pavilion, because it was at the time real rundown. Herc Harvey had to pay $50 for his one-week shoot which sounds pretty much like a bargain, especially since he needed them with his really low budget on this film. The cinematography is pretty well done, and portions of the film are tinted in a way that they used to tint silent films back in the day, and it would basically use a sort of faint cayenne tint during some scenes, while the rest is black and white. They don't really tell you what's going on, and you have to adjust to it, and it kind of, if you're not prepared for it, makes the film feel more surreal. Now a little bit about the plot of the film. It starts with the character Mary Henry, played by Hillegas, who is enjoying a day riding in a car with her friends. They get into a drag race and drive off a bridge. You assume that they're all dead, but Mary somehow survives. And after Mary recovers, she takes a job in a new town as a church organist, which I think they might have done, maybe for two reasons. It allows her to work in a sort of spiritual world. It also allows them to have this really creepy organ music soundtrack that runs throughout the entire film. When she takes this new job, she runs into some characters. She also starts to see a mysterious phantom figure that seems to live in this old rundown pavilion. And you kind of get the feeling that she's being drawn there to deal with some unresolved issue. And I'll leave it at that so that you can watch the film. After these messages, we will return. Sometimes it seems like we live in a dull, gray world. Well, I've found a way to change it. Wonderful things happen with the sounds of a Hammond organ. Only Hammond has features like note accord. Keys stay down after you play each chord, so learning is easy and fun. Make your musical dreams come true with a Hammond organ. Available at Gordon's Music, 263 Genesee Street, downtown Utica. The good old summertime presents the organ grinder. The organ grinder, the most excitingly different family entertainment pizza restaurant in the world. For young and old alike, we've got it all, including an amusement midway with free play tokens with the purchase of any size pizza. The organ grinder, the family place for good old summertime fun and great pizza. On 82nd, one block north of Foster, open day. And now, back to the show.
It is a pretty simple cast. Candace Hillegas is really the star and is the most involved. Hillegas was born in 1935. She's best known for her work in Carnival of Souls as Mary Henry. She also appeared in 1964's The Curse of the Living Corpse, and on television, she was on Naked City and one of my favorite TV shows, Quincy M.E., where she's credited under her married name, Candace Coster, if you're looking to watch her in that. The Mysterious Phantom, or as he's sometimes known as The Man or The Ghoul, was played by Herc Harvey, the director and writer. In addition to his work for Centron and on this film, Harvey and a lot of other talented people from Lawrence, Kansas, also appeared in the television movie The Day After from 1982, controversial film which was broadcast in 1983 on TV. I had to watch that in school, creep me out. Now, a lot of the other people in the film, basically Carnival of Souls was their big role, so we'll blast through some of these people. So you had Francis Feist as Mrs. Thomas, Art Ellison as the minister, Stan Levitt as Dr. Samuels, Bill DeJarnett as the mechanic, Dan Palmquist as the gas station attendant, Steve Boozer as Chip, Pamela Ballard as the dress sales lady, Tom McGinnis as the organ factory boss, Forbes Caldwell as the organ factory worker, and Sidney Berger as John Linden. Berger's character is really creepy in the film, and he's kind of a stalker, leering, creepy fellow who is really into Mary. His acting in the film adds an extra element of menace that is maybe even more unnerving at times than what else is going on in Mary's life, and adds this extra layer to this already great film. The music in Carnival of Souls was provided by Gene Moore, and it is a fantastic organ score if you like organ music. I one time went to a museum in New Jersey that has a working organ, sort of a local museum, and sat through an organ concert. Never thought I would enjoy an organ concert. I really did. Gene Moore, probably best known for his work on Carnival of Souls, but he worked on a lot of Centron films, mostly documentaries, things like Wood for War, Modern Football, King Basketball, Better Football, things like that. Carnival of Souls was made in three weeks, and it had a budget somewhere between 33000 and up. People sort of disagree on what the full budget is. Whatever it was, it was low. It was a flop on its initial release, but it would gain a cult following, mostly through showings on television. And eventually it would be restored in the late 80s, and that restored version would be seen by critics and a lot of people for the first time, and it would start to get the success that it deserves. When the film was released in the U.S., they had failed to include a copyright on the prints, and that, at that point, placed the film in public domain, which made it very popular to show on TV stations, who wouldn't want something free. And WWOR, where I'm from, in the New York City area, used to broadcast it a whole lot, I think, because of that. And maybe was the reason, in an almost viral way, that it would eventually catch on and become the classic it was. And in... 1989, the restored version of it was shown at film festivals, and in February 96, a chain of title search was performed on it to see who really owned the copyright on it, and eventually writer John Clifford, who was still alive, was given ownership of Carnival of Souls in its entirety, and then the film, its negatives, everything about it, were sold by Clifford in 1996, and would eventually end up with MPI Media, and eventually MPI Media and the Criterion Collection would get involved in a great DVD release of the film. The original negative and all of the theatrical and director cuts 
are now in safe hands. They are in the Academy Film Archive in L.A., and the Academy preserved the negative in 2012 and digitized and made new 35mm prints of the film for prosperity. After these messages, we will return. A special album of 25 all-time favorites. This 25 all-time favorites album is in the stores now. Album 699, tape 799. The Magic Oregon Power Pizza. When you say music and pizza, that means party. Your whole family will love the mammoth sounds of 888 pipes, cymbals, bells, and drums. Music and dancing. And crowd-pleasing pizza. Pepperoni, mushroom, or the works. Join in the fun and move up to Oregon Power Pizza. Trinity Villa Road and Claremont Mesa Boulevard. And now, back to the show. In the 1980s, Candace Hillegas wrote a treatment for a sequel to Carnival of Souls. She took the film to Peter Sobey Jr. to talk about making it. He decided instead that he would create a remake of the original film, which would become 1998's Carnival of Souls, of which Hillegas had no part of. This remake has very little in common with the 62 film, except for kind of the twist at the end. It was marketed as Wes Craven Presents Carnival of Souls, but I would like to tell you that it's something really worth tracking down. I guess if it was on TV and you wanted to watch something, I can't say it's the best film I've seen. I've seen worse, but I was kind of expecting a remake of Carnival of Souls, maybe a little edgier, and that's not at all what I got. When the film was released in 1962, four minutes were cut off, making it an 80-minute film. When it was re-released in 89, those four minutes were re-included and included in the Criterion DVD. So the Criterion DVD contains both the original and the theatrical version of the film. There are also computer-colorized editions of the film. This is another one of those films that has supposedly helped to inspire George Romero. The feel and look of the zombies were supposedly inspired by him seeing this film. I guess I can see that. Certainly when they're standing in the distance, that sort of creepiness, that definitely feels Carnival of Souls-like. Other people have claimed that you could see its influence in films like Repulsion, Eraserhead, maybe even Apocalypse Now. I don't know. I don't doubt that this film was influential. It's one of those movies that, if you happen to catch it, you couldn't turn off. So I can imagine any director who was interested in an interestingly shot film might have been watching TV late one night, maybe with members of their family, and just couldn't turn away. And then later on, maybe elements of it creeped into their productions. Carnival of Souls is an amazing film. I will often hear from people that might complain that it feels low budget, but I think that the fact that it was low budget actually works for the film. They were creative in how they tried to basically creep you out, to pull you into the story. I've also heard that it feels like a very long episode of The Twilight Zone. When I've watched The Twilight Zone, yeah, it's a half hour long, but I've often wanted it to go long. If this is an episode of The Twilight Zone that's over an hour long, then this is a really good episode of The Twilight Zone. Plus, 
they probably made it a lot cheaper than any episode of the twilight zone so if you're looking for a great horror film to watch one that you might have never seen before or one maybe you haven't seen in a while why not pick up a copy of carnival of souls you will not regret it Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at twitter.com slash retroist and facebook.com slash retroist.com. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. He had been working on some travelongs, travelongs, travelogs about Korea. Ugh. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.